welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I am your host, Michelle Gale. I'm also the author of the book by the same name, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, which you can find on Amazon. If you have happened to have read it and wouldn't mind leaving a review for me on Amazon, that would be most appreciated. You can also go to my website to join my community at beamindfulparent.com. And if you listen to this podcast and love it, leaving a review on iTunes would be amazing. Last but not least, I'm going to be at a retreat on the East Coast of the U.S. this year in Pennsylvania. It's a retreat for women May 18th through the 20th called Rise Gatherings. You can find them on risegatherings.com. It's in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. I'll be leading multiple workshops on mindful parenting as well as workshops on women's leadership, the mindfulness advantage in women's leadership. And if you use the code Michelle with two L's, you will receive $100 off your ticket price for the weekend. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my very dear friend and amazing colleague. Unless you've been living under a rock, you have heard her name. If you are interested in anything parenting related, her name is Susan Stiffelman. She's a licensed marriage, family, and child therapist, an educational therapist, and a highly regarded parenting coach. She's also the Huffington Post weekly parent coach advice columnist. She embodies a unique blend of psychotherapist, teacher, beloved auntie, and down-to-earth mom. Her book, Parenting Without Power Struggles, Raising Joyful, Resilient Kids While Staying Cool, Calm, and Connected, is based on her work with thousands of parents and children, from celebrities to everyday moms and pops. Susan offers solid, rubber-meets-the-road advice that's been thoroughly tested on kids of all ages. Her approach focuses on helping parents manage their reactions regardless of how their kids are behaving so they can position themselves as the calm, confident captain of the ship that children cooperate with, confide in, are comforted by, and genuinely respect. And finally, Susan is deeply committed to enjoying her life, living with appreciation, and having fun. She's had a regular meditation practice since she was 17 years old and has always made the nourishment of her heart and soul the number one priority. Welcome, Susan. Well, thanks, Michelle. So fun to be here with you. It is really fun to have you. And I'm really excited to share about your latest online conference that you're working on that we are going to make sure to um, put in the links and um, guide people to your website so they can sign up for it. Can you share with us the name of the conference and also what inspired you to bring it out into the world? And and also we'd love to hear just some of your big ahas from speaking to, I don't know how many people you spoke to, um, but just get us started by telling us a little bit about what it's about and what inspired you to put it together. Okay, well, um, gosh, the summit is called Raising Children with Challenges. And to be honest, Michelle, I really struggled with that title because um, we have such a large umbrella. We have uh, experts and teachers and speakers on raising children who are on the autism Asperger spectrum, kids with ADHD, um, heightened sensitivity. We have Elaine Aaron, who's just phenomenal. We have sensory processing disorder people. 
Um, mm. Quirky kids, you know, kids who are just a little differently wired. Quirky. We have Debbie Reber. We have Jennifer O'Toole. We have so many. Or Jennifer Cook O'Toole. We have so many awesome people. And then parents whose child has Down syndrome or a learning disability. So mm. I figured, okay, we're going to call it Raising Children with Challenges. But the subtitle is related to raising every child to feel. Um, uniquely seen, cherished, and celebrated. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And there's such a need. There's just such a need out there and parents that want to know how to do better, how to be more present, how to support their kids and support themselves. And my guess is they're going to get all of this as they listen in. Yeah. And you know, you were asking about why I did this and I've wanted to do this particular topic for a long time, in large part because I have a, you know, I have a significant following of parents around the world. But I feel like that the parents whose kids don't are are not quite quote typical. They're atypical. They're they're a little unusual, a little different, or they have a, a real challenge that they've sort of been marginalized in my work, yeah. and so it's been on the back burner for quite a while. And um, you know, my second book, which we forgot, I forgot to put in the bio, but it's Parenting with Presence, which was the book that I did with Eckhart Tolle's imprint and that he wrote the foreword for. And that book really takes readers further into this idea of being present with the child that you have rather than the child you thought you were getting. Mm. And most of us struggle at times to to reconcile ourselves to the fact that that child in front of us that who's ignoring us or, you know, slamming the door or rolling her eyes is not exactly a match for this picture that we had in our head of this sweet, loving, connected, you know, oh my gosh, it's such a spiritual journey to have a child. Well, yeah, it is. It is. But it's a bumpy ride. And so this uh, summit is really intended to address that in practical ways of, yeah, what is it like when your child is not who you, I call it snapshot child syndrome. It's not what you pictured. And yet, you know, that's who you have. And you have this opportunity to grow through raising that child. Yeah. Yeah. And I can very much relate to that before we hopped on the podcast. I was telling you, you know, my youngest son this morning didn't want to go to school, was really trying to be sick, like spitting, saying he was throwing up, (laughs) you know, the whole drama. And we need, we knew we needed to get under like what was really going on. And we had an idea, you know, I tried before we left for school, like, tell me what your heart's saying, you know, tell me what's going on inside. And we couldn't get anything out of him. We finally got him up and out of bed. He went to school late, but my husband was able to, you know, once he calmed down a little bit in the car, my husband gave it a second shot and got some more information about, you know, what was emotionally upsetting him, why he didn't want to go to school. And so I feel like there's just, there's, it's so layered, And it's also hard not to believe them. Last week, he was pretending to be sick. I thought he was pretending to be sick, and he actually really was sick. And I sent him to school, and he came at 103 feet for the next day. And I was feeling so bad. So this morning, again, I'm like, am I doing this again? Like, is he really sick? But he wasn't really sick. (laughs) So it's just so hard. I find, you know, and I do this work. I, I mean, I got up this morning. I sat on my cushion. You know, I looked at this, the clouds and the trees this morning. I did my gratitude practice. And yet, and still, you know, I found my nervous system really dysregulated when I was trying to support him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love what Eckhart talks about when he says, we grow not through things going well. We grow through the challenges. We grow because we get pushed to the edge. And yeah. You know, that is the nature of, of raising a child, no matter how easy that child may be. 
you are going to have moments where you get to see yourself in a light that is not so favorable. <laughs> yes, it's not always so, so favorable. Well, I would love to hear. I mean, you had how many speakers do you have coming on? We like have 20? like 28 conversations. 20, 28 is, conversations. And, and honestly, Michelle, I am sort of torn up about the fact that there are about 15 more I would have liked to add because I want to, you know, my goal in this is to really be a service to parents who need it. And for many parents, this is the only time that, you know, they get this free 48 hours to hear such amazing people all gathered for you, you know, in one place. Um, But yeah, we have about 28 conversations. Wow. And 29 speakers, because we have one couple whose um, adult son is severely autistic and, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it has it has brought me to my knees. I'll tell you that. Mm. What have been some of the biggest learnings for you yeah. from from listening well, to those twenty eight people? You know, I'll tell you. Um, I think if I were to do an overarching comment, it would have to do with acceptance. How people come to a place of profound acceptance when it seems so difficult to do that. Mm. Um, And it's not um, a straight road to get there. You know, it's really, um, there's a lot of grief that has to happen when the child you have is not who you expected. And I don't think you get to skip that. From what our speakers have said, you don't really get to skip. If you have a child who is is nonverbal or you have a child who is easily has meltdowns, you know, very easily because of overstimulation, or you have a very sensitive child who who is a wise soul, but, you know, takes things to heart very intensely, or a kid who for the life of her cannot remember her backpack, even, you know, at the age of 14. Yeah. Like, you really start by this, um, finding your way to make peace with the what is. As you know, we're both huge fans of Byron Katie and yeah. love her, and I've done some things with her for parents. And um, these parents who I'm speaking with or professionals who also sometimes have children with a challenge are really walking that talk. And then there's just a lot of practical stuff that we're talking about, like um, – talking about colored overlays for children who have reading challenges or um, tinted lenses for kids who are um, highly sensitive to fluorescent lighting or, Mm. uh, you know, how do you manage kids who, for whom sound is just overwhelming or what are some of the things you can do for siblings of these kids when the sit, when those child with, well, I love one of our guests is so awesome, Maggie Dent. And she says, instead of special needs, she, she calls it additional needs. Mm. So the sibling of the child with additional needs who feels shorted a lot of the time. Um, what are some mindfulness practices? Many of our speakers are straddling both worlds. They're very, very professional. And in some cases, you know, like we have a, a pediatric, um, We have a a pediatrician who's a developmental pediatrician who's also teaching mindfulness for ADHD, Mark Burton. So I'm trying to kind of cover it from so many um, angles so that there's this sort of deep emotional piece and then there's the very practical guidance and support. Mm. And what... um you know, As you're speaking, you're speaking to 28 different people who are coming from totally different 
different backgrounds. Some of them are just parents yeah. working through some of these issues, and some of them are professionals working with the who work Actually, with parents. Correct? I would say they're almost all professionals, or they are the person with Asperger's, or like Temple Grandin, for instance. She is not a parent, but she's well known for um, you know the, having revealed to many many around the world what it's like to be autistic. So Mm -hmm. in some cases they are, but they're all professionals in their field. And then some of them have children who have a challenge. Mm. And when you, I'm curious to know, is there a difference between when you speak to, what, what sense do you get from speaking to the parents, like who are struggling through this, even, even though they've been on this path of healing and learning compared to the people who, who are working directly with the parents what's what's your sense of the just the quality of the of of the emotion of the conversation of you know where things tend to go yeah well when you're both a professional working in this field with parents and their children or and or children and you have children at home yeah who struggle there is such a depth of humility mm. it, it, Every single person who I've spoken with in that situation um, has taught me, or not even with their words, but with who they are, how they're showing up in the world, um, such profound humility in and joy. Yeah. You know, I have very close friends who are on the series Ted Tannenbaum and Danny Slayer, and he's a very you know prominent. Uh, corporate coach and she's a, a psychotherapist and she helped run the Westside Regional Center until a few months ago when she retired after over 20 years. Um, very, very, you know, professional people with a son who is nonverbal and he's 32, 33, Jason. Wow. And, um, and, you know, I mean, they're very close friends. Teddy married us actually, my husband and he. Oh. I've, tra- I've tracked their, their experience with, with their beautiful son and I know them, but just to hear what they share when they talk about how the smallest things that their child has done by way of connection or by way of, you know, interaction are so cherished and so valued. And I've seen that quite a lot that, um, Mike Postma, who's an, a man who has four children, three of whom are on the spectrum, or Billy Mann, who's a, a good friend of mine. He's a music producer. He has four kids and two are on the spectrum. And he, he shares a little story of his older son, who's a big guy. He's 15 um, and nonverbal for the most part, very, very limited um, expression. He talks about what it's like when his big guy, you know, kisses his three-year-old on the top of her head like how mm-hmm. that small experience is so you know special and precious mm-hmm. I'm curious for you to share um you know you said earlier about about the parent that kind of the first phase of this is often grief you know people have to go through this grief of that the image they had in their of their child is not the one that's coming through in, in life. And there's something new that has to come through, but you have to grieve the loss of that image in your mind first. Yeah. What comes next 
So there's the grief and you have to be in it and you have to let go of that story. And then what are some of, what are some of the stages that you get a sense for that, that come next in this process? Well, all the people who work with kids, especially children with Asperger's autism or with, you know, with almost anything that can use intervention, we'll talk about early intervention. Mm. Now, Sometimes parents don't find out when their child's very young and you just deal with things when you deal with them or when you know them. But um, all of them will talk about the importance and value of finding support, whether you go down the road and Dan Siegel talks a lot about labels. A lot of our guests talk about label, you know, do we or don't we? Um, There can be benefit in a label insofar as it may allow you to take advantage of services in your school district. Yes. And in terms of having some way to make sense of what your child is dealing with. On the other hand, no child with a label of ADHD looks like any other child who would qualify for that label. And so um, when we, you know, a lot of it is that early intervention and finding, you know, support for the the child that's appropriate to that particular child and educating yourself. You know, suddenly you're immersed in a world of what does it mean to have sensory processing disorder? What what do I do about my child who's highly sensitive or who has this um, trouble with reading or, or, you know, one of my guests is a little person, a good friend of mine, Peggy O'Neill, and she talks about the ways that her mother um, really found activities for her to succeed in because she's three foot eight. She's not going to be able to do a lot of things that her peers would. So Mm -hmm. her mom got her involved at a young age in ice skating, you know, which Mm -hmm. allowed her to shine and get really good at things. And this is a woman now who has hiked the Grand Canyon and and like, I mean, she's unstoppable. Wow. Well, so it's the part of it is is doing your homework and understanding, which I can relate to because when I we didn't we kind of knew early on my youngest in kindergarten, first grade, there were some signs that there was some learning differences. And it, second grade is where things imploded and he was crying and not wanting to go to school and spent more time with the nurse than anybody else. And um and we decided to homeschool the next year in third grade because I just wanted to understand, right? There was this really difficult year in second grade of just not understanding what is this? What's going on, you know? And then wanting to understand it. So that's basically what happened to me as well as you're describing it. I'm hearing my own story in it and having him home and really focused on, okay, what does he need? What? How do we help him be successful academically? What are the activities that are going to, you know, help him feel the most confident since, you know, being in school is so difficult. And we went through that as well. And then you get, then we got stuck because he really is social and he got lonely and we hadn't spent enough time on the social piece of homeschool because we were so focused on what does he need academically and, you know, physically and how do we support him? And, um, cause you know, he just seems like if you're around him, he just seems like you're average kid, right? Which he is in so many ways, but there's, you know, learning differences and there's ADHD and there's fine motor skills and there's visual spatial and there's language processing. And so there's all these hidden things. And, and then, you know, we sent him back to school. He wanted to go to public school. (laughs) That, That didn't work. And so we tried another private school. So we've been going up and down and up and down. How do we serve this boy? But each time you learn more and more and then you can kind of push that like, okay, we know how to support him academically. We know what he needs, right? Now, how do we do this piece? And how? Do, and it feels like it layers, like one thing, yeah. right? And they change, they get older, they have different needs. Yeah. Right? 
one of the things that I've gotten, uh, you know, I, I'm just listening to you thinking, wow, that's just a path, isn't it? That's really a path that you've been invited to walk on. And yes. I, I hear as I listen to you, well, you know, what choice do you have? Well, some people make different choices. They look the other way. And I think part of that is about the stigma. And mm-hmm. one of my goals for this series is to just blast that out of the water. I love one of our guests has um, a website called Tilt Parenting. Uh, Debbie Reber. And I love that sort of her mission, and we want to support it, is taking the stigma away that we we start to look at every child as just who they are, just who they are. Yeah. Um, talks about that. We do a lot with multiple intelligence in that conversation. Mm, I love that. And he talks about like there, like there was a civil rights movement that, you know, said, well, all, all men should be created equally or treated equally. And it's the same with kids who are on a spectrum or who have a, a different are differently wired. And when we take that stigma out of it, then we can provide each other with more loving support. Because a lot of what parents report or these experts talk about is that parents feel, um, thankfully I'm not hearing this with you, but that there's a lot of shame. Right. And if you have a child, for instance, who has a lot of sensory stuff going on, is highly uh, overstimulated and you take them to the target with the fluorescent lighting and a lot of noise and a lot of people or a busy classroom or school corridor right. may have these meltdowns and the parent may feel so much embarrassment and mm. feel by others, which is why I want to make a big plug for this. We hope that parents of typically developing children will listen to this series because the more we're all educated about what, what goes on for these kids and how to support them, the more we can teach our children, Oh, you know, Joey, who's in your class who hardly speaks or who doesn't look at you when he talks. I want to tell you a little bit more about what goes on for him because he's such a cool kid, but this is the way his brain works and his brain works in a way that makes it harder to look at people while he's also listening and trying to understand in what they're talking about so that we take this whole bullying piece and shaming piece and judging piece and ridicule out of it by educating parents of all children so yes. they can teach their kids look we are all in this together yeah we are all in this together and I will say um and I don't experience shame from my son at all for me it's been you know you know me pretty well I mean it's it's been my spiritual path it's been a big part of my spiritual path being with him and being able to regulate my own nervous system, you know, so I can help regulate his and coming back to center and forgiving myself when I am not as patient as I want to be. And, you know, the whole gamut. I mean, it's a lot. And I do, when you said about the labels, so many, I've had so many parents in our community come to me to ask about, you know, because maybe their kids have something going on and they're afraid of the labels. You know, they're afraid of putting any label on their children. And so they, they don't do anything, right? They just kind of want to put their head in the sand, yeah. you know, ostrich style and just hope it all works out. And now sometimes you don't have any other choices, right? I mean, we're very blessed. My husband's parents are very supportive financially of all of these things that we do, right? We have all these private things, different things we've tried, neurofeedback and, you know, different therapies. And we're doing this thing called solo quest right now. And he's doing all these sound therapies. And we also have resources to be able to do that. And, and it's a, talk about bringing to your knees. Like I get brought to my knees. I mean, every time I thank my in-laws, I just tears fall from, fall from my eyes 
because I'm and not just for the gratitude I feel, but also for the sadness I feel. So many children cannot have access to all of these things that are so helpful. Yes. Well, you know, this is one of the reasons I wanted to do this because when people start sharing news about this series, which they do, thankfully, we have parents who are hearing about it in Namibia and in Saudi Arabia. And, wow. you know, it's even if they hear these people who we ha- we're sharing, and I always look for really, you've been in my series, I look for the best people that yeah. I can find. Um, you know, even even with a little bit of information, they can access material from that speaker online. There's a lot of resources once they know where to look. And of course, if you're in a a country that has services for kids with a label, then the the diagnosis or the identification can be helpful because you don't have to pay for some of the services. Now, it's always important to make sure that they're helpful because not every school has helpful services. We don't want our kids to get Okay, you know, funneled into some kind of a room with kids who don't speak just because they're having trouble reading, you know. But, um, but yeah, it's. I think generally speaking, as hard as it is to to look squarely in the eye of you know I, what's going on with my child, I think it's the better path personally than looking away. And one of the things that we have in the series too with Laura Markham and Patty Whitler from Hand in Hand Parenting, we have some really great people speaking about getting support for the parent and not going it alone. And all over the world now, there are uh, uh, options for having um support, whether it's an online listening partner, Patty, at Hand in Hand Parenting, they have a beautiful setup for for just helping pair people where they talk once a week. They don't fix each other's problems. They just listen. I love Um, that. Someone was just telling me about that. That has like saved their parenting journey, that Hand in Hand Parenting like partner. Yes. Listening partners. It's so beautiful. Listening partners. Amazing. Yeah, and Rachel Macy Stafford, who talks so eloquently about making sure that we have our safe haven. So um, I think that when we acknowledge that sort of quiet discomfort or rumbling that says, I don't think everything's okay, even if we don't want to look at it, if we have the support that will prop us up through the process, it may not be our husband or wife or our neighbor or sister. It may be that we look outside our normal place of family and close friends and find someone who's just walking a similar path. And that can really help us feel strong enough to, you know, take the next steps tentatively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a gift, you know, that people will be able to access this. And I'm just letting the listeners know now you can access it in the 24 hours for free when, um, when it's offered and there's, it'll also be available to be purchased on your website. So people can have access to it indefinitely. Correct. That's right. They get 48 hours for each speaker. Actually. Well, for each speaker, 48 hours. Oh, not 48 hours total. 48 hours for each speaker. So it'll be going on for a couple of weeks. No, it's for three days. So for three days. Day they'll get uh, a list of who's going to be on for that 48-hour period. The next okay. new people will come on board. The next day, the first group will, will expire. And then, you know, so you have 48 hours for each day's worth of speakers. There's probably eight or nine, 10 speakers a day. And then you choose. We have um, actually trying to make it easier for people. We um, are, I'm summarizing every interview so that people can, um, you know, get a feel for what we're talking about. I'm making clips for almost every speaker and that's on my author page. This is a Tiffelman 
on Facebook or, or um, the author page so that they can kind of catch a, a minute or two of some of the speakers if they'd like. So there's oh, lots great. of ways to sort of figure out who you want to listen to. Or, yeah, you can you can get the recordings and have them forever. Oh, so great. This is going to be such a such a support. Well, we're, I can't believe we're almost out of time. <laughs> it goes by so fast. You know, just to, before we end, Susan, I'd love to, um, I'd love for you just to kind of touch into your heart for a minute and share whatever feels most alive to you that you'd like our listeners to hear about your experience or, or what you're sharing, you know, in this, in this online conference for parents. Ah, you know, um, I feel incredibly fortunate and that's an understatement to be doing the work that I know I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're just lined up with your purpose, it brings so much joy and parenting for me, I still have, (laughs) I'm still not really parenting, but I have a 27 year old son. Um, And, you know, we talk very often, sometimes every day, and there's nothing that softens my heart or that has grown me up like being a parent. And so getting to do this work so that as many parents as possible who happen to resonate with my approach and message can, can just sort of fall into the sweetness, even when it's hard. There's so much that's miraculous about shepherding a human being through their young years and then their adolescence and then watching them launch into the into their own adult lives hopefully with enough of the resources and values and confidence that we we try to instill i mean that to me is the 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 path of great joy and i just you know hope that parents can in the thick of things when we're so overloaded and, you know, we can't wait for the day to be over and to go to bed. (laughs) That's how it is sometimes, but that we can also be kind to ourselves and, and touch our own hearts at times with that, you know, parenting ourselves through the ups and downs and just, you know, see things from a perspective that recognizes that the the goal of parenting is not just to make sure our kids brush their teeth and do their homework, but for all of us, for our children and for us to have an experience of love and joy and growth and delight. So that's my, that's my wish. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'd love to just make sure everyone knows how to find you right at your website, susanstiffelman.com. Anything else they need to know? No, I mean, I've got, you know, a lot of stuff going on at SusanStiffelman.com and there's um, my author page has a lot of posts every day. Um, we just hope people will stay connected and and definitely tune into the summit and let their friends know as well. So thanks yeah. for helping us let people know, Michelle. I'm so oh, sorry. it's my pleasure. This is such a gift to the to the world and I will make sure it's on my website and they can go to your website and also put it on the podcasting page. So we will make sure it's easy for everyone to find. And I'm just many blessings that this reaches far and wide, Susan. Thank you. And thank you for your beautiful work. Yeah. Thank you. And we are going to sign off and say goodbye. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.